Welcome to another episode of The Cubic Report. Today, for the third time, we have Don Hooser with us. As many of you know, he's a retired pastor who has and still does work in writing, answering letters, and working with addictions in the Breaking Free website, and does things that uh, I'm not even fully aware of, but certainly service things to the church and to the public. So welcome again to the podcast, Don. Well, thank you for inviting me, and I'm happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you here, and oftentimes with podcasts that go well, and yours was extremely popular. The first one was very popular because many people know you, and we're just anxious to hear from you and what you had to say. In fact, your two podcasts have been uh, really top sellers, so to speak. I don't sell them, you know, but they were very, very interesting, interesting, and people did listen to them. But today's topic is initiated by Don. Don called me here a few weeks ago and said, hey, there's something I'd like to talk about, and would you be willing to do a podcast on it? And of course, I'm always very, very willing to do podcasts of that sort because the person themselves is passionate about the subject, knowledgeable about it, wants to share it, and I feel like me as the host is a person who just facilitates somebody who has information. The topic that we have today is an event that is spoken of not only of its own accord biblically, but referred to by our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. And the topic is Noah's Ark and the Flood. And people may say, well, what? Yeah, I, I believe that. I know that. And I've heard the story from childhood. I've heard it many times. I've seen even perhaps seminars or even gone to the replica of the Ark in uh, Kentucky. But what can we say about the Ark that's unique and new and valuable. And that's one thing I did ask Don. So Don, why don't you take it from here and tell us about why you asked to speak about the flood in Noah's Ark? Well, in, in today's society, uh, more and more people are, are not believing the Bible. And even those that uh, halfway believe it, uh, think that uh, there's myths and uh, that uh, the worldwide flood did not occur. But then other people who, who believe that it did occur uh, have questions about the details of it. They think, well, uh, I think there was a flood, but I think it was regional. I, I don't think it really covered the whole earth, or I don't think it covered the tops of all the mountains. And so there's a lot of details that people wonder about and, and have doubts about. And uh, like, how could how could one ship uh, uh, contain all the the animals and birds and so forth that are supposed to go on the ark and all. So I've had an interest in this subject since 1963 when I was a freshman at our church college, Ambassador College, and we were asked to read a, a book that had been on the market for only a couple of years, which is the Genesis Flood. Yes. And uh, so that ignited my uh, interest, and I began to see there are answers to all these uh, questions that people have. I, recently, I, I uh, toured with my wife, the uh, Ark Encounter in Northern Kentucky, which is a, uh, a replica of Noah's Ark in a full-size replica and, and, and full of, uh, of uh, depictions of how it must have been. And it's like a giant museum. We spent like five and a half hours there. So this was my second time to be there. And so this reminded me of a lot of things and, and reignited uh, my interest in this subject, and that's why I, I thought it would be a good uh, subject for a podcast. Right, and I'm so glad that you suggested it. Well, one thing that has just enthralled me about 
the Noah's flood, the ark, the story, the, it is the fact that we believe that the Bible is inerrant. In other words, it would not be telling a story that is fake or just a myth or um, a fable of sorts. And the flood narrative is not only included in Genesis 6 and 7, but it's referred to by the New Testament authors as well. Uh, in Matthew 24, there's a reference from Jesus Christ about the ark. In Luke 17, the apostle Peter makes a reference to the uh, ark, and Noah and the the, the Noatian, the deluge, with a spiritual lesson. It's also, he, Peter refers to it in his second book, and then the apostle Paul as well refers to it in Hebrews 11, 7. So you have all these people here who give credence and veracity to the story. If the thing is a fake, then all of them are, you know, fake <laughs> liars. And yet we base our faith upon the inerrant word of God, which we have proved to be the scriptures as we have them. So I just wanted to add that little bit there. Yes, they certainly knew it was all true. While I was at uh, Ark Encounter, I bought two educational books, which uh, further enlightened me about uh, all kinds of facts and ideas. I'll just mention uh, some of the, uh, the things that the, these books bring out. Regarding the uh, total number of animals and birds, whether two or 14 of each, uh, and I'll explain why there's a somewhat of a controversy between two and 14 of the clean animals. It's not a, every species, it's just every kind, and there's a big difference. For example, you would only need two dogs, a male and a female dog, which is a kind. And from that, from one pair, they would uh, have all the different species that would uh, come from them. So that we must keep in mind that it's not like all of the species. And then uh, as far as the ark being large enough to handle all the creatures, the many animals are very small. This uh, book says that uh, probably most animals were smaller than a, a, a beagle dog. And so some things are very small. Plus, if you have a large animal, they could choose a very juvenile, like a very young elephant, a very young giraffe that would be much smaller than a full-grown animal. And then uh, it's interesting that the, these books bring out how that there are many cultures have legends of a worldwide flood. So even though their legends have got distorted, that shows that, uh, that wor word of mouth was passed on down all over the world that there indeed was a worldwide flood. And uh, the books bring out how that uh, the Ark has been studied, what the Bible tells us about the Ark has been studied, and uh, the conclusion is that it's really the best design to survive a turbulent ocean. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the, the uh, demonstrations on Ark Encounter and also in these books uh, show how they were likely caged and how they were fed, how waste was removed, how eight people could handle the daily task uh, on the ark and how fresh water was obtained and stored and how fresh air was circulated through the ark and how the uh, deep interior was provided with light and mm -hmm. how ancient knowledge of bamboo pipes and food storage and, and their skills with wood and metal and their cage design all made it uh, a, a doable project. So there's a lot of details like that that are fascinating. So if if any of you that haven't been to Ark Encounter have the opportunity, yeah, we certainly highly recommend it. This time we spent five and a half hours there because there is so much to see and so much to learn. In the huge interior 
of this giant replica. It really is something. I mean, they had everything, a, a lot of things accounted for. I, I really appreciated their waste disposal. Uh, they're like a conveyor, you know, bringing buckets of things, you know, up to the top and dumping them overboard. I mean, it was very interesting to, to see that. And also the living quarters for the eight people, how they could have been placed in different uh, locations. I've been to Ark Encounter at least three times, maybe four times. Living in Cincinnati, I often was host for people coming in, like once was with the Council of Elders, uh, where we had a light schedule on our agenda. So one afternoon, we just decided to go down to the Ark Encounter. It's only an hour from the home office in Cincinnati. And and uh, it was very, very enlightening uh, with that. And also, a couple other things about that. It's it's a beautifully built uh, structure. It cost $100 million, and it was built by Amish uh, or uh, Amish or Mennonite craftsmen, you know, who really are uh, very good working with, with wood that way. So it really is a beautiful piece. I know that the original Ark didn't have a gift shop or Wi-Fi, but this one did. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we, we kind of took note of that. <laughs> yes. Well, after a few more comments, uh, I'm going to move through Genesis 6 through 8, verse by verse, quite rapidly. And so I suggest if you have a Bible, have access to your Bible, that uh, you open your Bible and follow along when I get to that point of going through it verse by verse. Uh, and, of course, I expect Mr. Kubik to interrupt me whenever he, he uh, wants to stop and, and uh, interject any th kind of comment. No, we're just very, we're just very anxious to hear, uh, hear you speak about it because I know that you were you were writing about it very excitedly and you said you had consulted with a few others. So, uh, please go ahead. Yes, in fact, I've given uh, two sermons. And in fact, uh, in two different congregations, and in fact, in uh, I'm going um, next next weekend, I'm going to be giving uh, this subject in a sermon in um, Dallas, Texas mm. here, mm -hmm. um, and. Um, you know, there's all, with all these controversies about what the Bible tells us, uh, I think you realize that uh, our church and Mr. Kubik and I b believe that uh, the Bible is God-inspired and is uh, per God's perfect revelation. So uh, that's not in question. We're doing this podcast to be both educational and inspirational. There are quite a few sermons uh, on our church uh, internet uh, web. Uh, website that uh, discuss Noah, but most of the uh, what they have to say is inspirational about the spiritual lessons. And so I'm uh, mentioning some of those spiritual lessons today, but I'm also covering a lot of the physical aspects of it. Mm -hmm. And also I'll mention that uh, posted on our website is uh, a Bible commentary. And so we do have uh, brief commentary on Genesis 6 through 8, and so you might want to refer to that as well. Uh, I'd like to give you a warning about the movie that came out a few years ago, and I think the title was Noah, and I, I knew it would be mostly fiction, and uh, sure enough, I heard it was terrible. Uh, it was almost complete fiction. Uh, somebody said the only thing it had in common with the Bible is that there was water in a boat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But that was about the only thing that corresponded with the Bible. Well, yeah. um, my disappointment with Ark Encounter is that it supports the young Earth theory that uh, the planet Earth is uh, started uh, 
only about 6,000 years ago, uh, whereas uh, either all of us or most of us uh, in our church uh, believe that the earth is very, very old, probably billions of years old, uh, but that what we read from Genesis 1, verse 2 onward is a, a, a we call a, a, a recreation, uh, completely transforming the earth where it was no longer a place of dinosaurs and so forth. So anyway, that's my only disappointment with, with the Ark encounter. A mm. uh, big question people have is, do remains of the Ark still exist and have they been found? And I have read off and on accounts where uh, search parties have claimed to see remnants of the Ark down inside a glacier. Uh, but that's not important to me. Uh, I, in other words, I don't spend time trying to research that subject. Uh, I'm just, uh, in other words, I don't have a strong belief that either it remains do exist or they do not exist. So that that's all I'll have to say about that. Mm -hmm. uh, another uh, criticism people have of the Bible is that uh, God so often causes the death of so many people. Uh, like when he sent Israel into Canaan and told uh, the Israelites to wipe out all the uh, the native people there. And then, of course, the uh, huge death toll with the Noatian flood. But uh, what they don't understand is what we understand about the fact that there's going to be resurrections and, and everyone is going to have an opportunity uh, to have uh, to learn the truth of God and to repent of their sins and to have an opportunity for eternal life. So uh, physical death is not the tragedy that many people uh, think. Another question that, that comes up is, did God give Noah a lot more instructions than are recorded here in the Bible? And, and so, of course, I'm very curious about that. If God did not give any more instructions than what we read in the Bible, then certainly We'll have to hand it to Noah to be a, a master craftsman to figure out uh, just how to build it. Uh, all he had was the overall, all the Bible tells us is the overall dimensions and to uh, seal it with uh, this pitch to make it waterproof and so forth. So uh, if God did not give Noah any more instructions, then uh, it's amazing that Noah could figure out how to do it. So anyway, some I often tell people, when Jesus Christ returns to earth, I'm going to have like a million questions I'm going to ask. There's so many things that uh, the Bible doesn't tell us that uh, I wonder about naturally. Well, I know that we have our favorite people that we want to meet and talk to. Uh, uh, I know Noah is certainly one that will probably have a, quite a gathering around him. <laughs> yes. I'm going to want to talk to the Apostle Paul. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Yes. Um uh, Notice that uh, that uh, human nature is very, very bad. And so I'm going to read uh, what it says here in Genesis 6 and um, 5 through 7. It says, then the, the Lord, and I'm going to just say Lord, that's that's the way most Bibles translate with all capital letters, the, the uh, Hebrew word Yahweh. And I'm just going to say your, Lord for simplicity. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth and he was grieved in his heart. 
So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. So it is sad and somewhat shocking. And, and of course, we see examples all around us today of, of how people can be so bad and so evil. And uh, so it got so bad that God just decided to wipe almost everyone out and to start over. The, the, the uh, rather amazing thing is, is that we, we tend to assume that the, uh, that flood gave the chance for mankind to start over and uh, all be good people. But right after the flood, we read in Genesis 8, verse 21, and it says, and the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. So it did not solve the problem of human nature being bad. It did stop all the violence and the, the corruption and the, the evil actions that were going on. But I just want to point out that uh, that uh, human nature continues uh, to be bad. And that's why we need good parents and good instruction and, and so forth to try to counter the impulses of uh, basic human nature. So Noah, of course, was quite an exception. If I could just add here that there was almost like 1,600 or 1,700 years from the Garden of Eden to the time of the flood. It covered only... The first six chapters of the Bible cover 1,700 years of history. And, yes. You know, starting with a small group of people and developed what it was, it had become so violent that it was basically a society that was on self-destruct path, just like our, just like our world is today. And yes. with, with, with the way it is now, there's going to be nothing short of intervention to keep civilization from just going down to zero. And... I, I truly believe that there were certain practices, there were certain events that took place with the population of the earth as it was at, at that uh, time, misogyny, uh, you know, just all, all kinds of things that were leading to the species pretty much being wiped out. And God said, hey, let's just do a control-alt-delete, you know, <laughs> just a reboot of the whole structure. But then you said it didn't solve the problem of human nature because because problems came very, very soon after the flood. And so we had that again. But there were other times in history where uh, societies basically stopped. We are living as in the days of Noah, not, not from the standpoint of just becoming so violent and so immoral that something is going to have to be done to uh, set things straight. So that's what I find to be interesting lessons of and perhaps explanations of what God had to do in order to preserve the human race until he gives people a new heart and a new mind and the new world will have just a whole new set of supports uh, to be able to continue. But right now we're learning a painful lesson of 6,000 years of man doing it his way with his nature. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm going to... Uh start Genesis 6 and verse 1, and I'm not going to spend much time on the first few verses because that's not exactly on the subject of the flood. Uh, verse 1 says, Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God 
And the word for God is Elohim, which is not, doesn't necessarily refer to the true God. Uh, it can mean even pagan gods. And so what we believe is that uh, this is not talking about, it's certainly not talking about angels. It's talking about people who claim to be sons of the gods. And uh, they, when they, so they were mighty men. And when they saw the women, they, it says they took wives. Well, in other words, they were uh, domineering. I mean, I mean, just uh, more or less kidnapping uh, women uh, for wives, apparently. And so then in verse 3, the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his day shall be 120 years. Verse 3 sounds like that the lifespan is going to be reduced to 120 years, but we think that a more likely explanation is that is that he's, he's indicating that the flood will actually happen 120 years from that point. Mm -hmm. So that shows that Noah had 100. If that's the right explanation, then Noah had 120 years to plan and build uh, the ark. And then verse 4, there were giants on the earth in those days and also afterwards. Uh, of course, the word for giants is Nephilim, which is... We wonder exactly what those people were like. Uh, so it just shows the corruption that was going on at that time. Now, verse 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them which is, uh, uh, we don't fully understand exactly how God felt, but this is, he certainly was deeply disappointed uh, that it was that bad. He knew it was going to be bad, but, but it seems that he, uh, even God did not visualize just how bad it would get. But in verse eight, but Noah found, grace in the eyes of the lord and the word for grace basically means favor uh and other scriptures in both the old testament and the new testament indicate that noah was indeed a very uh, righteous man and, and this and that's the first place that the word grace is used <laughs> you know we think of grace as a new testament uh concept yeah. but grace appears in the sixth chapter you know right there in the very early chapters of genesis yes Yes. And verse 9, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, which means a righteous man, perfect in his generations. And uh, perfect doesn't mean the extreme perfection that we ordinarily think of when we hear that word, uh, but it means he was uh, blameless. Uh, he, uh, he had uh, an ideal reputation and, and uh, was noble in every way. And then, and then the, the word generations, uh, many Bibles have is with an S on the end to make it plural, but it would, it seems like it's speaking of the fact that he was blameless in his generation, uh, which would be a singular. So that's something we don't quite understand. But then it says, Noah walked with God. What a wonderful thing to say about somebody. Uh, indeed, that uh, each of us would daily walk with God. 
And Noah begot three sons. That be, the word begot just means he had, he gave birth. I mean, he he uh, he sired and had three sons. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. With it becoming so violent, of course, we wonder if, if God had not caused that flood, uh, just uh, what would that violence have eventually resulted in? So then we have this brief uh, instruction that God gives uh, Noah, make yourself an ark. And the word for ark just means boat. And I think the only other place in the Old Testament that that word is used is for the little reed basket that uh, baby Moses was put in when he was put on, on the river to try to save his life. So it doesn't indicate anything about how large, uh, in other words, the, the Hebrew word doesn't give us any indication about size. It just means some kind of a boat of gopher wood. And uh, we think that's probably like cypress that is not susceptible to uh, quickly decaying from moisture. Mm -hmm. uh, make rooms, or that could be translated cages, uh, or, or compartments in the ark, and covered inside and outside with pitch. Now, Pitch is an oily substance that uh, would make it waterproof to seal it up. Verse 15, and this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. It's width 50 cubits and it's height 30 cubits. Now down through history, there have been different cultures have had a different uh, length for a, a cubit. But the most common uh, equivalent of a cubit is um, 18 inches. So if, let's just say that if, if a cubit was 18 inches, that means it's 450 feet long, 75 feet high, and 45 feet high. Uh, so that is truly huge. And if you go to Ark Encounter and see the replica, it, it, uh, it really makes a big impression as to how, how in other words, it wasn't it wasn't all that long ago that we finally made ships that large. I mean, for a long time, that was the mm -hmm. largest size of a ship that existed. Mm -hmm. Of course, now we have ships much larger. But but that is you think of the length of a uh, a football field as being uh, uh, three hundred feet. And this was 450 feet long. That's quite large. And then verse 16, you shall make a window uh, for the ark and you shall finish it a cubit from above. Now, we think that means a long window running from front to back at the top to let in some light and air um, but of course that light was would not be enough to en enlighten the entire inside of the art because you've got first of all you've got three decks and so forth but uh, but it's interesting that uh, 
these details are interesting. It tells us a little bit about what it was like. And then set the door of the ark in its side. So there's there's one door, and we later we see that God is the one who shuts the door when everyone is inside. And you shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on earth shall die. See, obviously, if if you're a, a sea creature or some creature that doesn't rely upon breathing air, then you wouldn't need to be on the ark. So there's a lot of physical life that did not need to get on the ark. And of course, there's other, there's some things like insects that there's some things that float on top of the water that uh, they think could have, could have survived that way. And then verse 18, I will establish my covenant with you and you shall go into the ark, you and your sons, your wife and your sons' wives with you. Uh, covenant means God, I'm going to make promises and and you can be sure that I, I'll live up to my promises. And verse 19, and of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, you know, so they can mate and have offspring in the future. Verse 20, of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. Now, people who are critical of the Bible, they will, how in the world could he round up all these animals and birds? Well, he didn't have to. It says that God brought them there. So that's pretty amazing to visualize, isn't it? That uh, that uh, at some point you just see this parade of animals marching to the ark because God is leading them. Uh, so that's uh, quite awesome. Now, of course, Noah and his family had to gather food and other supplies, but he, they didn't have to round up the animals mm -hmm. because God just led them there. And then verse 21, and you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten. In other words, this, he's telling them that you've got to gather the food that is going to be needed for your family and also for all the animals. And you shall gather it to yourself and it shall be food for you and for them. And Noah did, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. So that's quite a nice compliment for Noah. This concludes part one of the podcast with Don Hooser. Please join us in part two for the conclusion. Thank you for listening to us today on The Cubic Report. We welcome you to share this podcast and tell your friends about it. We can be found on a variety of platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, and many other platforms. You can easily find us at any browser address box by typing in the words, The Cubic Report, and there we are. Remember, Cubic is spelled K-U-B-I-K. So we'd love to hear from you. Write to us at vcubic at gmail.com. That's V-K-U-B-I-K at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. Come back soon for more.